What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and live from Arian Foster's radiologist's office, it's the 4th and Inches <laughs> Show with Jenna and the Sherpa. Jenna, welcome to the program. How are you this week? Um, finally, uh, have power and my life back on track after this stupid hurricane this weekend. <laughs> so for you, it was more than just a bunch of hype. It actually happened then and made your life mm-hmm. uh, miserable for at least a couple of days. Very inconvenient. <laughs> so before I forget, I want to mention that we have a very special guest with us tonight who needs no introduction, so therefore we're not going to introduce her. Actually, I'm kidding. We will introduce her, and we'll actually even talk with her in a little bit. But first, Jenna, you want to get us started on the on the contact info and the, the well, transaction news we need to know? Well, let's say hi to Sarah. Let's welcome her. <laughs> oh, you blew my cover. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the program. This is Sarah Holliday from uh, Fantasy Football Librarian. Welcome to our show. Hi, guys. Thank you. It's it's a pleasure to be here. Now, you had all kinds of good stuff coming up with her uh, in just a minute, but first we want to make sure... Oh, go ahead. No, I I was just going to say, well... Yeah, why don't you go ahead and then we'll 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 get back to Sarah in a minute. Scott and I will, will hopefully stop stepping on each other's toes here. But in the meantime, if you guys want to be a part of the show, have your voice heard, say hi to Sarah, whatever floats your boat. There are a number of ways to get a hold of us. You can call us at 347-677-1608. That's 347-677-1608. Come on and ask us your fantasy football questions or just tell us you think we're crazy for our opinions. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, you can also email us at the number 4thninchesshow at gmail.com. That's the number 4thninchesshow at gmail.com. And we're on Twitter under the same handle, the number 4thninchesshow. You can also find us all week long on fantasyfootballsherpa.com and on the Fantasy Football Sherpa fan page on Facebook. And let's just get these transactions and injuries over with and get them out of the way because they're our least favorite part of the show. Um, There were a lot of signings this week, unfortunately a lot of injuries as well. The Rams re-signed wide receiver Mark Clayton, hopefully giving Sam Bradford a few more targets. The Eagles signed Michael Vick to a $100 million six-year deal, which I'm sure is is news to most of you. That one really flew under the radar. Um, Chris Johnson continues his holdout from Tennessee. Uh, They allege they're getting closer to a deal. It doesn't really seem like it, though. And as Scott mentioned earlier, Arian Foster tweeted his MRI results for his hamstring injury earlier and could possibly miss a few weeks. Some people are saying, some quote-unquote experts, uh, he claims he'll be ready for week one, so I guess we'll see. One guy who's not going to be ready for week one or at all this season is Seahawks tight end John Carlson. He's going to have season-ending shoulder surgery, so it looks like Zach Miller is going to be seeing significantly more targets at tight end this year. 
The 49ers signed Frank Gore, <clears throat> excuse me, to a three-year extension, so his holdout is not in Unfortunately, no, but I think he's closing okay. in on 50 mil, which isn't too bad for being in your 20s. Oh, okay. Uh, we also, in kicker news, which, of course, is the Sherpa's favorite, the Saints kicker Garrett Hartley is nursing a hip injury, so the Saints went out and signed kicker John Cassay to have a backup plan. Uh, the 49ers activated wide receiver Michael Crabtree off the physically unable to play list, and he returned to practice. The Eagles got Jeremy Macklin and Steve Smith both practicing this week, so hopefully they'll be on the, the field sooner rather than later. The Lions released running back Mike Bell. The Colts activated Peyton Manning off the pup list as well. Titans signed veteran former Eagle wide receiver Kevin Curtis this week. And in the curse of the second-round draft picks, the Redskins' Javaris Jenkins tore his ACL and is done for the season. If I were a second-round draft pick who hasn't been injured yet, I'd be watching my back. Jaguars running back Rashad Jennings hurt his knee in the first quarter of the game against the Bills this week and was reportedly seen on crutches yesterday, so that doesn't look good. Their running back situation is now a mess. The Bears were going to cut running back Chester Taylor, but that was before Marion Barber suffered a calf injury in the preseason game this week, so he's going to stay with the Bears for now, but clearly as soon as Barber gets healthy, he's going to be on his way out of town. The Bengals running back Cedric Benson was sentenced to 20 days in jail. He was originally going to start serving it during their bye week, but he turned himself in last night and is going to be out in as little as seven days with good behavior, so he's going to be ready to play week one. Um, been on TV last night. I guess not. He still does have a couple of lawsuits and charges pending, so he potentially could miss more time, but hopefully not. Um, I'm sure his lawyers make a ton of money off him. The Redskins tight end Chris Cooley says he will absolutely be ready for the season opener after missing most of the preseason with swelling and soreness in his surgically repaired left knee where he had arthroscopic surgery during the off season. And I think we're done. <laughs> cool. Now, if you get put on the physically unable to perform list, the the pup, does that make you a puppy? I I guess you could you could think of yourself that way. I would imagine most NFL players aren't, but I'm sure there there could be some out there. <laughs> okay. So shall we shall we move on then? Let's talk to Sarah. Much more exciting. Yeah, that's what I was that's what injuries. I was getting at. So we've we've <laughs> left we've very rudely left our guest on hold here for about six minutes. But Sarah, thank you so much for joining us and I promise not to uh, misspell your name on the radio. Oh, it's okay, not a problem. It, it it's a tricky one. <laughs> So now how in the world do you fit everything in that you do? You just moved from New York where you were a librarian down to Knoxville, Tennessee, where your husband just took a job, I think, teaching at the University of Tennessee. Is that right? Yep, exactly. Uh, we, we moved and in about four weeks And you've got a baby ago. that's going to be one at the end of September, beginning of October, yeah. that just started walking. Yeah, and yeah, you know everything. How, how in the world? Uh, that's because we have a big... Uh, private investigator budget here at the Fourth and Inches show and we Obviously. uh we do extensive <laughs> reconnaissance work before we have any guests on the show. But how in the world do you find time to fit this all in? 
Uh, some days I do not. Um, you know, in the past, I think I've been much better about blogging and responding to emails, and you don't even want to see the size of my unread emails in my inbox. It's uh, it's awful. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's because you have over 2,000 followers on Twitter and everything. Your your blog must get a ton of hits. I know you used to write for Fifth Down, the New York Times uh, football blog. You're you're no longer doing that, or you are still doing that? Um, I am not doing that. I sort of fell out of doing that last year when uh, when okay. the baby arrived, uh, and so I, I just haven't really followed That'll up on happen. that or pretty <laughs> much anything else since everything I have of, going on right now is A lot right of people are going to question your priorities there, but we'll, we'll let that slide. So <laughs> now... How did the idea for Fantasy Football Librarian come about? Uh, how how did this uh, idea get started for those who might not know the story? Sure. It's uh, becoming a little bit of a hazy memory, to be honest. But um, in 2006, I had just finished up um, my master's in library and information science, which is a real thing, uh, and, and was just starting a, a job at uh, at a library. And I decided, you know, I'm a librarian now. It's official. I should probably... Uh, do something with this uh, involving fantasy football. Um, I had been playing fantasy football for a few years and just felt like I hadn't found one space that had links to a whole bunch of different resources. And I was looking for different opinions, trying to figure out, um, you know, just a, a bunch of different thoughts on players like everybody else out there is. And so I decided, well, I've got sort of this knowledge and this background and consolidating information and sort of aggregating stuff. And so I I launched Fantasy Football Librarian with no hopes of it ever taking off whatsoever. So, uh, and here I am. It's, it's done pretty well. Well, it sure yeah, has. Everybody in the fantasy industry knows who you are. So, Jenna, you were saying something? No, I was just agreeing. I mean, if the site has really come a long way from no expectations. It definitely has taken off. Yeah, so absolutely. It's those... been a little bit surprising. <laughs> For those who may not know, do you want to give out your your website where people can find you and your Twitter handle, too? Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. It's um, fflibrarian.com, or you can just Google it. Um, I know many people are not so sure about how to spell librarian, so if you want to (laughs) review, it's L-I-B-R-A-R-I-A-N. My apologies to everyone who already knows it, but uh, I know that can be a tricky one. Sorry, that was L-I-B what? (laughs) R-A-R-I-A-N. Okay. So the same now, thing for my Twitter handle. It's FS Librarian. Now, um, tell us the story. You won a a blogging contest, a fantasy football blogging contest, a few years ago that had a very unique prize. Why don't you tell us about oh, right. that? That'd be great. Yep. Um, Buffalo Wild Wings uh, was two years ago. They were starting their first um, blogger league. So they invited a whole bunch of folks who either um, wrote for a website or had their own blog uh, to participate in a uh, 12-team league, and um, I was fortunate enough to be asked to participate and even more fortunate enough to to win. Um, And I got a trip to the Super Bowl. My husband and I were um, flown down and um, got awesome seats. Uh, It was fantastic. Buffalo Wild Wings just treated us very well. They took us to a whole bunch of different events, and it was just fantastic. So it was an amazing experience. Now, when you say you just cool. happened to win, you make it sound like it was an accident or something, which I'm, oh, no. I'm guessing I mean... <laughs> that it wasn't. You're, you're, uh, you're a very talented fantasy football player having drafted against you in, before and all. So what, what's your favorite format to play in, Sarah? I know you, you had two going on tonight. I know one of them was canceled, but yeah. what was uh, – what was what, you know, I've only played in. Um, 
I've only played in an auction league for one year. This would be the second year, uh, and I'm I'm kind of intrigued by the whole thing, to be honest. But I, I'm still sort of on the fence as to whether or not that's my my favorite or not. I do really like the inclusion of IDP. Uh, I think that's adds a nice touch. Um, other than that, I, I kind of like the extra challenge of throwing in PPR. I mean, why not? Um, and I'm 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 what I'm most interested in is how people are sort of making it more complex and going beyond the standard traditional scoring, you know, adding two quarterbacks or um, doing whatever it takes to sort of, um, I don't know, spice things up and make it different from year to year. I think that's a really interesting, good trend. (laughs) Definitely. That's for sure. Now, a couple of other things I wanted to touch on with you. First of all, why don't you tell us about the fantasy football projection accuracy contest that you've run the past couple years? Absolutely. I probably have not done enough promotion of this so far, so thank you, Scott. Um, I am uh, with the FSTA, which is the Fantasy Sports uh, Trade Association, uh, in conjunction with them and a site called uh, The Most Credible. We are running, um, oh gosh, I can't remember which year this is. I think it's the, I want to say fifth year, maybe fourth year. It all blurs, uh, but it's the fourth <laughs> yeah, or fifth year of our of our accuracy challenge. And um, what we do is we compare what uh, experts have um, put out there for their preseason rankings um, or preseason projections. The most credible looks at the projections, and I look at the rankings. And we compare how they what they put forward in the preseason to what um, happened during the season. And then we have um, a victor that we crown uh, in January at the FSTA conference. So it's and pretty exciting. Who, who, I love doing this. Now, who who is the defending champion? Uh, the Bruno boys are the defending champion for rankings, and I now, believe you have we some had... connection there too, don't you? I do actually, which is a little weird, but <laughs> uh, I wrote for the Bruno boys. I, I think it was for two seasons, um, uh-huh. but I did not actually write for them last year. So I, I feel like that uh, you know gives no, me a no, little no, bit of. No, 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 that's not uh... why I brought it up. We actually had oh. Ali Fontana as a guest on our show earlier this. Uh, summer so that's it was just tying that all back together so it just shows our impeccable it just shows our (laughs) impeccable taste among other things but uh, very well done (laughs) thank you i I, the segues are i'm the master of the segues so now one other thing you also run a league called the monster league on your site or through your site Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that um, you know, I'm not even really sure how it got pulled together. I think I just had a bunch of readers who were asking if I knew anywhere that was looking for extra players, and I thought I should just create just one gigantic league full of readers because um, I'd been playing um, some postseason stuff with my readers competing against mm-hmm. each other, and I thought it was fun. Uh, so the first year, I believe I had 96 teams, and it was just completely unwieldy. It was really difficult to sort of maintain everybody. And last year, I uh, narrowed it down to 72 teams, and I had conference leaders, and it, that's a much more manageable way of doing it. And actually, there's a, a draft going on tonight with one of the conferences. Um, and so it's a lot of fun. I think um, I think all these readers really enjoy participating with each other. Um, I, I believe I've heard that some of them have done a, a spin-off group and are now you know, running their own league separate from this entirely and are even Facebook friends. So wow. <laughs> I sort of feel like I think that's awesome. I love that sort You've of story. You've created a monster here, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> no pun intended. No, of course not. Now, um, how in the world does that work, a 72-team League. I, I'm guessing that the players are mutually exclusive. Are they broken into, you know, conferences and right. you know, yep. different teams? Or how how does that work? 
it's six different conferences, um, and myfantasyleague.com um, comps us the entry, which is really nice, uh-huh. and they have also helped me with a ton of questions um, just in terms of managing six different conferences. Uh, and so they, they all play until, gosh, I haven't looked at this in a little while, but I think it's week 13 uh, or week 14, one of those two weeks is when the conferences are pitted against each other. And finally, uh, the last week is just the winner of each conference um, they play against each other in terms of points because that's the oh, wow. that was just the easiest that's, way to do it. That that right. sounds like a uh, just a huge undertaking. I admire you for even organizing something like that, much less keeping it straight and keeping people engaged in that. Now, um, one other thing that I've I've noticed in in reading your blog is that you're a real big fan of tiers in any reports or <laughs> ranking systems to break things into tiers. Uh, what what's the biggest advantage? To you know, having information stored that way. How, why are you such a big fan of, of tiers? I think a lot of people, and probably myself included, get uh, really focused in on rankings. And um, just you know, if one person is ranked you know two spots ahead of somebody else, you, people sometimes zero in on that too much, and they start sort of uh, ruminating on whether or not they should be picking somebody who's you know just a couple spots higher. And really, I think tiers is a much more um, applicable way of looking at it when it comes to drafting, since you're sort of looking at a a group of players and you're picking out who is appropriate for the type of scoring system you have and the other players you've drafted and the type of draft you're having because we all know that crazy things can happen out there. And I think tiers really help people understand um, more the type of player that you're looking for at that point rather than, you know, an exact number, if that made sense. (laughs) Yes, of course. Now, do you um, tend to prefer point per reception leagues or, or not? And how differently, how different is your strategy for one versus the other? Um, I do prefer them just because I think it adds something extra to think about on draft day. But um, to be honest, my strategy doesn't really differ a whole lot. I just sort of make sure I'm taking into account the number of um, targets and receptions, and just thinking about um, players who should be bumped up. Um, I feel like it's for me it's a little bit more important in terms of running backs but um you know obviously it mm-hmm. makes a difference with receivers as well. Sure. Now we we just bombarded you um earlier today with a ton of questions, well not a ton, a few dozen, but anyway, <laughs> do you want to pick out a couple that you know might have been of interest to you and we can discuss them in the remaining time we have here with you? Sure. Um, wow, you really did send me uh, a well, ton, if you want to ton just of questions. Pick a position, and I'll, I'll pick the question if you want to do it that way. Yeah, let's well, let's just start with quarterback. Um, pick pick whichever question sounds the most appealing to you. Okay. Now, um, where do you stand on the Michael Vick versus Aaron Rodgers debate as to as to which one you would take if you were going to draft a quarterback early? Uh, in a fantasy draft. First of all, would you take a quarterback in the first or second round, and if so, who would it be? Uh, I probably I would not take one in the first round, and I will probably not take one in the second round. That sort of depends on how quickly quarterbacks are going. Uh, I have seen some leagues where they're just flying, and so if if they really are flying, um, I might take one in the second, but I find that pretty unlikely, which means I will likely not get Rodgers or Vic. Um, but my inclination is to go for Rodgers. Okay. And is that just because you think he's going to put up better stats? Do you think Vic's an injury risk? What, what enters into your position uh, um, there? Um, for the most part, I would say that um, I'm, I just like Aaron Rodgers' consistency. I, he's 
he's got more to to base my confidence on. Um, I I'm more comfortable with with going with Rogers. He took me to the Super Bowl, so <laughs> I'm going to ride him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I think Jenna would agree with you there. She's she's also a big Aaron Rodgers fan. I tend not to be, but that's more just to to have a different point of view from Jenna. I think. But uh, <laughs> well, and, so. and with your Michael Vick's an injury risk. His offensive line is a disaster. I mean, if he can play two thirds of the season, it'll be a miracle the way that they don't protect for him. I mean, he's a real liability with that O line. That's a good point. Now. Among the the rookie quarterbacks that everybody you know has their eye on this year, which ones do you think are most likely to succeed? Which ones should we be looking to to take in our drafts, especially in a dynasty league? Mm, um, success this year is going to be. <laughs> I mean, you guys Pretty know there's minimal. not really going to be a, a whole lot out there. Um, All right, who do, who do you like for the long term then among the kind of like Jake Locker, class? I think. Um, uh huh. Back. Locker sort of comes to mind when I think about long-term. I think Cam Newton will be fine, but um, I'm not sure he's top on my list. Um, I, I don't know. I, to be honest, I sort of, I'd like to see a little bit more. I, I'm not uh, as good of a college follower as I should be, uh, other than my own <laughs> Northwestern Wildcats, which never really produce anything for the NFL. <laughs> um, well, Mike Cockett so might be the quarterback when uh, when uh, Michael Vick and, and Vince Young both get hurt. I know. I've been hearing rumors uh, that uh, he was, you know, looking a little bit better than Vince Young even, so I have my fingers crossed on that one. <laughs> good knowledge yeah, of the Wildcats. Mark my words, it'll good. happen this year. Mike Kafka will, will definitely get snaps at some point, and you can uh, yeah. remember I, I sure said it. So. And if it doesn't happen, then this 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 uh, never happened. So, um, <laughs> Way to go out on a limb there. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I'm good at doing that. Now, <laughs> Arian Foster, I, I'm guessing most people aren't going to be taking him in the first or maybe not even in the second round anymore. Where where would you um, personally be willing to take him? And also, uh, what, what are your thoughts on Chris Johnson, given his situation there? Where do you draft those guys, if at all? Um, oh, you definitely draft both of them. I, um, To be honest, I am a little hesitant to make anything really to say anything about either one until we know a little bit more information since I feel like everything we've heard so far is is it's hearsay really um you know yeah. who knows exactly what what's going on with uh, Foster's hamstring and what how long he's really going to be out so I would like a little more time before I say anything but I am <laughs> I'm not going to rush to um to not if I had a draft tonight obviously that would be a little bit tough but I think I would probably just try and be confident that both of them are going to uh, perform as uh, first round draft picks but you know, who knows? And that's that's the gamble with first round draft picks. No matter what, they might end up injured. You know, game one. That's yeah. for sure. Now, how about uh, the top rookies that you see at, at running back this year? Who are who are some of the rookies that you have your eye on there, especially for dynasty leagues? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I feel like there's been a, just a ton of hype about Ingram, and sure, you know. I, I, I agree. I think Ingram has definite uh, potential, but I'm, and I'm probably going to boggle or um, totally bungle his name. But Roy Hellu from the Redskins, I uh, definitely yeah. have my eye on him. Um, I, you know, who knows? He's probably part of a Shanahan chaos uh, with the running backs, <laughs> but you never know. I, I mean, uh, I think that could be very interesting. There, obviously, it depends on what happens with Hightower, who has been just you know, going crazy high in terms of hype, I feel like, with experts in the past week or so. 
Um, but I'm also sort of interested with uh, what Daniel Thomas is going to be up to um, and DeMarco Murray for kind of the long haul. Yeah, well, Jana's a big Cowboy fan, so she could probably fill us in on uh, what, she, what, what do you think is going to happen with him, Jana? Uh, DeMarco Murray is on fire. I mean, Tashard Choice is in danger of losing his running back two job. That's how good Murray's been in the in the uh, preseason here. Uh, Jerry Jones loves running backs. We ship Marion Barber out of town so that we could give DeMarco Murray a shot. So it's it's a lot of faith. Um, but I, I have to agree with Roy Hallou out in Washington, and I like Evan Royster out there too. I think they have a lot of good young running backs. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, now, how about the New Orleans? You mentioned Mark Ingram. Is Pierre Thomas going to? How how much do you think Pierre Thomas, if at all, is going to limit Ingram's fantasy value this year? Are we drafting Ingram too high because we're forgetting that Thomas is there? Or what do you think about that? Mm, I think everybody who drafts Ingram probably has uh, Thomas in the back of their mind. So uh, hopefully, <laughs> um, yeah, I would hope so. he might be going. Yeah, he might be going a little bit too high for my taste, but I think just in general I'm pretty wary of uh of grabbing a rookie anywhere, you know, too high. Um I obviously I think it sort of depends on what unfolds in the next couple of weeks, but if we're seeing uh Thomas at the goal line a lot, then I think that you know, maybe it will be a little bit premature to have drafted Ingram so early, but you never know. They've been doing sort of like a nice tandem in New Orleans for a while, and I think that's not something they're really going to change up necessarily immediately. But maybe Ingram will bring something different to the table. They like to yeah. do tandems at almost every position out in New Orleans, it seems. Yeah, like. that's a good point. <laughs> the quarterbacks, they're, they're pretty well set there, it seems. So yeah. now... Who who would your your surprise running back be for this year? Who's who's the one person that we we're nobody's talking about or just ignoring that is going to be a, a first round pick next year in your mind? Ooh, a first round pick? Ooh, I don't know if I'm gonna be bold enough to go Somebody that far. Somebody who's gonna have a real breakout yeah, like last year, McFadden, that. I think would uh, fit into that category. You know, people just said, "Ah, he's gonna be a bust. He's always hurt," and then he you know, reels off. You know what was it, 1,400 yards or whatever? But you know what? What's uh, well? I've got a couple of people who about like that next year. Well, I don't really know if we're going to be talking about this guy like that. But um, Larod Stevens Howling, I'm very interested in what happens in Arizona because I think there's sort of a changing landscape there. I don't really have a ton of faith in Beanie Wells, to be honest. Um, Not necessarily for. I mean, we've got Ryan Williams there for the long term, so. You know, I'm just sort of interested in what he does this season if, if Beanie Wells gets injured. I am not saying I would do anything other than a very late-round draft pick or just keep an eye on him on the waiver wire, but I think that's sort of an interesting name to keep an eye on. Okay, and because you're a, Bengal, uh, a Broncos fan, last question, and then we'll uh, we'll uh, give your contact info one more time and then let you go do your uh, dynasty draft. And thanks so yeah. much for joining <laughs> us. But what, what's going on with the the Broncos this year, especially with their uh, their backfield? Is is No. Sean Moreno going to get his act together this year, or what do you see happening there? You know, rumors. I mean, it sounds pretty interesting. Actually, he sounds like he's actually you know cutting pretty well and looking like he's sort of sneaking through lanes quite nicely. So I think he's been a little bit of a surprise in the preseason and during camp and and whatnot. Um, McGahee, though, to some extent, is also a little bit of a surprise in how well he's been doing. So we'll see. I think um, obviously Moreno first and foremost, but um, I'm I'm hesitant personally, probably because 
being a Broncos fan, I don't want to get my hopes up too much. <laughs> um, and it's just sort of, to be honest, I think it's kind of a mess in Denver. It's a little sad. <laughs> the defense has just sort of been been annihilated a little bit, I feel like. And it, not that they were any good to begin with. Sorry, Broncos. Um, but well, I think it's going to be. Yeah, I know, I know. I think it's going to be a bit of a tough season or two. But um, yeah. we'll see. You know, yeah. keep my hopes up. <laughs> So That's now, all you really again, can do. <laughs> spoken like a true exactly. Cowboys fan, Janet. Now, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so now, uh, Sarah, why don't you tell everybody one more time where we can find you and where we can read your, your work and anything else you want to plug uh, before you have to run? Sure, absolutely. It's um, Fantasy Football Librarian is the site, and it's fflibrarian.com. Um, and, again, that's my handle on Twitter. Um, and I think that's about all I'm doing this year with uh, <laughs> with work and, oh, and our son. and raising a child, no big deal. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... <laughs> one that you started walking, and now you probably have to child-proof your, your, uh, your house yeah. that you just bought and all, too, which is probably yeah. a lot of fun. So I think I'm pretty anyway. much permanently hunched over. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, but thank you so much for coming on with us tonight. It was really a lot of fun having you here and talking football with you. And good luck with the projection contest and the monster league and and raising a child and getting settled <laughs> in Texas in Tennessee there and everything else you're, you're going. Now. Well, <laughs> first things guys. first, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Good night. Yep. Night. That was fun. She's always so that nice. That was. Yeah, she is. We've we've had some good guests this year. We have to find some more guests. So um <laughs> all right. So now now that we can we can talk the way we usually do, um I'm just teasing, but so <laughs> here's a quarterback question for you, Jana. What do you think of Tony Romo? Is he a risk behind that offensive line this year or am I just uh, making a, a mountain out of a molehill there? You're making a mountain out of a molehill. He's a top-ten fantasy quarterback. Uh, even though he can't get it done on the field in the regular season the way that Cowboys fans would like him to, he is a great fantasy uh, option at quarterback. I think he's absolutely QB1. I don't think there's anything to worry about. Um, the Cowboys have been notorious for having terrible offensive and defensive lines the last few years, and look at the numbers he's still been able to put up when he's on the field. So, I, so You I don't think, think they're... I'm I'm much more worried about the Eagles offensive line than the Cowboys. And that's not my bias. It's that I'm terrified Michael Vick's not even going to survive this season. So I'm more comfortable with Tony Romo than I am with Michael Vick at quarterback right now if we're talking offensive line perspectives. Now, speaking of offensive line problems, is Jake Cutler going to bounce back this year from his 65 uh, sack season last year or however many times he went down? Um... You know, I'm not sure. I I don't think I would trust one of my fantasy teams to him if it were say a one quarterback league. He's not going to be a QB1 for me just because I don't I don't trust the decision making that he's doing on the field whether or not his offensive line is is an actual wall or if it's full of holes. I just I don't know how I feel about him as a quarterback. So, I'm going to pass on him. All right, speaking of passing, how about Peyton Manning? Is he somebody that we should still draft on, draft and count on as a QB1? Are you at all concerned about his his uh, neck problems, or am I overreacting to that the way I did the, the Dallas offensive line? 
I'm very concerned. The fact that he's finally come back to practice is great, but, I mean, in the past when Peyton Manning has missed preseason, the the Colts have gotten off to very slow starts the first five or six weeks. And the fact that the offense isn't quite as star-studded as it, it normally is, especially at the wide receiver position, makes me a little concerned. Uh Having Kerry Collins there, who's a a much more than adequate backup than, say, Curtis Painter is, no offense to Curtis Painter, I just, I feel better with Kerry Collins under center, Um, I think it gives the Colts the ability to rest Peyton Manning more or give him that extra time if he needs it, but I'm concerned, I I would try to draft somebody else if I could, I mean, it's not to say I'm not going to take a flyer on him if if he sinks and everybody else in my league's concerned about him, but... I don't know if I'm taking him in, say, the the second or third round like normally people are. Now, here's one for you. I'm Matt Mark Sanchez. I'm I'm kind of down on him. I can't even remember his first name correctly. <laughs> but even though no, I'm you a really USC like fan, to call but, Matt for some reason. <laughs> but why? Because I'm thinking of Matt Leinard, who preceded him at USC and was a better quarterback and would be a better pro quarterback too if he ever got his. Uh, Mind mm-hmm. together, but we'll, we'll see if if uh, if Matt Schaub, not Mark Schaub, Matt Schaub goes down this year. We may see uh, Matt Weinert again. But Let's now the, que- <laughs> the, the question about Mark Sanchez, though, yes, we don't want to talk about Matt Weinert because for right now he's a he's a, he's a fantasy non-entity. But Mark Sanchez is he going to? Is Mark Sanchez going to improve this season, or is he still going to be the mediocre 55% completion rate quarterback I think he's going to be? Um, I don't think he's taken huge steps forward. Uh, I I haven't been particularly excited about anything he's done the last few years, and I know anybody who listened to our show last year I'm sure figured that out by now. Um, I just... While he's got a decent team around him, I think that they needed to spend a little more time focusing on the offensive side of the ball than than the defensive side in the off season the way they did. And I just I don't know. I it's a miracle that he's gotten to an AFC championship two years in a row because it's certainly not for his straight up quarterbacking abilities. I mean, it's the defense has really carried them. Um, I just I think the fact that they let so many people go, so many receivers, I just he hasn't had a lot of time because lockout to build up a rapport with these guys, and I think that's going to show in that he's going to you know stay pretty stagnant in where his numbers are. I don't see a huge growth coming. All right, speaking of growth, which of these three quarterbacks do you think is going to actually let, let's make it four which ranks these four quarterbacks for me for fantasy purposes this year Sam Bradford Ben Roethlisberger okay. uh-huh. Joe Flacco uh-huh. and Matthew Stafford which how do you rank those four Ooh. Um, you know I think they're all pretty much at about the same area uh, you could really go – I don't think you can go wrong in any order. I would put Roethlisberger first just because of his experience and the fact that he's got a Super Bowl ring. Um, I'm really yeah, high on Joe Flacco and Matt Stafford. Um, I think I may put Flacco a, a nose ahead and Stafford and Bradford 3-4, four, 4-3. Four, four, I I, you could go either way. I really think these four are on the same tier. 
And would you also include Josh Freeman in that tier, or is he a tier below those four? No, I'd put him in that tier, absolutely. Josh Freeman's going to have a great year. I mean, look how last year was. It's just going to get better. Now, um, are you basing that on Mike Williams getting better? Do you think that uh, um, Aurelius Ben is going to be healthy? What's what's your reason for optimism with Freeman? uh, Freeman's got more experience under his belt. His receivers and he are on a great page together. Mike Williams is still going to be a stud number one receiver. Their defense has gotten significantly better. I think their team overall is better and stronger, and I don't see any reason why we can't expect them to to move forward in the win column. All right. How about, um, speaking of wide receivers, I'm just talking all over the place here, but uh, (laughs) something, something I didn't get a chance to ask Sarah before she left, since she's a Broncos fan, I am a big believer in Eddie Royal having a bounce back year this year, and I'm grabbing him in just about every draft or auction that I can as a late-round sleeper or somebody that I just have to pay a buck or two in an auction. Is that a legitimate optimism, or am I being foolish there? What's your take? Um, I, I think he is going to be a sleeper. I think he's going to have a better year. I don't think he's going to necessarily be – a uh, superstar, but he's going to bounce back. It just may not be as huge of a bounce as you think it might be. I think he is going to kind of return to form, if you will, out in Denver. They need some bright spots, and hopefully he'll be one of them. So now, spe- staying with the wide receivers for for a bit here, Heinz Ward, is he going to keep on going this year, or do you think eventually either Antonio Brown and or Emmanuel Sanders are going to take his place as the Steelers' second uh, wide receiver threat behind Mike Wallace? Uh, I'm I'm still a believer in Heinz Ward. Uh, the fact that he and, and Ben Roethlisberger have the kind of chemistry they do and the trust that's between them really is it's something you can't put a price on. But who I think could potentially come on strong and and be at that kind of level, I would say Emmanuel Sanders absolutely would be the one I'd pick. But I a lot of people are down on Heinz Ward, and I still think he's got you know miles left on his tires that it's still a very worthwhile fantasy pick. Yeah, you can certainly get him later this year than you've been able to get him mm-hmm. the last couple of years. I guess you know, he didn't have a thousand yards receiving last year. He only had. 700 or 800 or whatever it was, but uh, he, he still, as long as he's healthy, he seems like he should still be a, a decent fantasy pick. Now, how about, we, we asked for a comparison of quarterbacks before, how about these two wide receivers, which one do you think will be more helpful to fantasy teams this year, Des Bryant or Mario Manningham? I would say Des Bryant, um, just because what he showed us when he was healthy last year for the Cowboys was that he is he's got the potential to be a wide receiver one. Not that he is going to be this year, but he can put up those kinds of numbers and he's got that playmaking ability that the Cowboys really look for. Um Mario Manningham, I do like him a lot. I just I feel more confident about Tony Romo as a fantasy quarterback for a wide receiver than I do with Eli Manning. Um, but Mario Manningham is going to see some more targets this year, so I, yeah, I like this Bryant a little better. I, I, even as a Giants fan, it pains me to say it, but I agree with you. I, I think 
both I think the Giants will probably run the ball more than the Cowboys will, and much again as it pains me to say it, I think Tony Romo is a more accurate passer by by far than Eli Manning Wait. is. So, I mean, I'm not I'm not a Tony Romo fan necessarily. I mean, I'm a Cowboys fan, but there are are a handful of quarterbacks that I'd prefer to have over Tony Romo. But Eli Manning is just I there's just no not one of them, and that stresses me out. <laughs> All right. So how about running backs? We have Sarah touched on it a little bit she, when she was talking about uh, Larod uh, Stevens Howling, but how about? Uh, Beanie Wells, do you buy him as a as a sleeper this year, as yes. a potential RB1? Is he the guy that we're going to be talking about this year the way that we did? Um, um, I'm just trying to think who broke through last year that I'm I'm forgetting now. Someone like Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis, is, is, are right. we going to be talking about? I think I, I'm a big, big fan of Beanie Wells. Um, I, I watch a lot of uh, <laughs> college football and really followed him all through his career at Ohio State and and I know what he's capable of and I think he's really going to have that chance to shine this year. Um another running back that I think is going to surprise a lot of people is Reggie Bush out in Miami. I agree. Um, I agree. What he's done in the preseason, I mean, I'm a little biased to the Dolphins right now, but what he's done in the preseason has really really been leaps and bounds better than I think anybody, myself included, expected to see out of him. I mean, I've I've watched every Dolphins preseason game, and he's really, really looked good with that first-team offense. Now, that brings up an interesting question, though. How much stock do you put in preseason statistics and performance? I mean, just to give an example that's quoted ad nauseum, but you know, the Colts haven't won a preseason game in in three or four years now, and yet to make the playoffs every year. And I know there's some people that think this might be the year they finally win a preseason game and don't make it to the playoffs, but not that the two are necessarily coordinated. For me, it's not about wins wins and losses in the preseason. For me, it's about how guys are working together. I need to see how a player fits into an offense and how he's working with the other first or second teamers around him is he setting himself apart? Is he getting beat by the other team's second second team defense? I mean, what does he look like? To me, that's what matters: the chemistry and and how the offense or defense uh, looks as a whole than statistics or win the wing column. It's it's more about the feel of the team to me. The only objection that I would find with that is I think that both offenses and defenses tend to hold back in the preseason, just one, because the timing isn't necessarily there. But, you know, obviously they don't want to show all their cards, you know, before, you know, everything that's in their playbook before the season actually starts. So Well, and that's, wonder... that's fine. But for me, I know that Reggie Bush and Chad Henney work together. I know that Matt Moore can work in the Dolphins' offense because I've seen it. And while they may be trying to hide players or hide plays, you can get a general feel for if the team's going to be functional or not. <laughs> I mean, they're just there are some teams that are going to go out there and look like a mess. And I think the later you get into the preseason, the more you're going to get a feel for what the team's actually going to look like and and whether or not guys can work together. So it sounds like you're actually predicting that the Dolphins would look pretty good this year. Am I misreading you? I do. I, I, I'm i a big believer in the Dolphins. I think Chad Henney, obviously I'm the only one who's been on the Chad Henney train here, but 
I really like what Chad Henney has done. Matt Moore surprised me how well he's played in, in the preseason. And like I said, Reggie Bush, he's really looked good. I think the Dolphins are going to be a team that surprises a lot of people and a lot of players on the team are going to surprise people fantasy-wise. Of course, one of the issues with him, as it is with many players, is their injuries. And speaking of injuries, and we're still on running backs, but give me your take on these three guys, Maurice Jones-Drew, Steven Jackson, and Michael Turner. What what do you think of their fantasy prospects for this year? Uh, I like Jackson, Turner, and then Jones-Drew is a, a distant third out of those three. I'm very concerned about Maurice Jones-Drew and and Rashad Jennings, really, at this point. Um, But I think that Steven Jackson, while he may be getting older, the fact that he's got a little bit of a cushion now in in St. Louis and the offense is better overall, that's just going to help him. Michael Turner, I think his numbers are down a little bit, but he's not, you know, falling off the map. He's still an elite running back, I think. All right. Now, speaking of of Michael um, Jan- Michael Turner and the Falcons, they they have a young. Well, all rookies are young. <laughs> well, not all, but most. But anyway, they have oh, a yeah. rookie wide receiver, uh, Julio Jones, that's been getting a lot of attention now. Do you think he's going to be the best rookie wide receiver? Um, is it going to be yeah. AJ Green? Is it going to be Titus Young? Is it going to be somebody else? What's your and how early would you draft somebody like that? Would you take him before, say, a Kenny Britt, or, or what's what are your thoughts? Yeah, I really might because I I am a big believer in the Falcons and Matt Ryan as a quarterback. I think he is he is going to become an elite quarterback, and that's going to happen this year. Uh, Julio Jones is fitting in well with the offense. He's playing off Roddy White, which means the pressure's not all on him, and it's going to help both he and Roddy White continue to put up those kinds of big numbers that they're accustomed to, plus with the fact that they have Michael Turner there, so their run game is still a very viable threat. I think he's going to have a great year. I think he is absolutely the best (laughs) rookie wide receiver when it's all said and done. Um... A.J. Green, I know a lot of people are really high on him, but the fact that he's playing basically in a wasteland in Cincinnati right now, I mean, you're starting running backs in jail. Your quarterback is is a rookie, Andy Dalton, who I just – it's. I think if I had to take a rookie quarterback and beat Andy Dalton, but he's going to get beat up and the Bengals are going to be bad. I just don't think A.J. Green has the chance to put up the kind of numbers that Julio Jones will. Um, the other rookie wide receiver I really like is Greg Little out in Cleveland. Um, I think that he can he may be one of the top three rookie wide receivers by the time the season's over. Now, speaking of Cleveland and hopping back to quarterbacks, what do you think of Colt McCoy? Is he a potential you know, number one quarterback in a 12-team league this year, or is he going to improve but still be a number two, or what do you think will happen with him? I think he's going to improve. I like him a lot. Um, I don't know if I'd necessarily make him a QB1. I think it would have to, the draft would kind of have to get away from you quarterback-wise for he to be the only quarterback you're starting in a two-team league. I'd absolutely take him for a second quarterback and mm-hmm. maybe as a backup if you're in a, a one-quarterback league. I do like him a lot. It's just Cleveland doesn't have, I mean, they're playing in a tough division. They're going to see some really tough defenses, so it's going to be hard for him to put up the kind of stud numbers that other quarterbacks can. Now, another um, wide receiver who's been getting a lot of attention this preseason, of course, is Chad Ochocinco. So now, mm-hmm. 
with him, I tend to think we're looking that he's more likely to be a complete bust than he is Randy Moss 2.0, although the truth will inevitably lie somewhere in between those two extremes. But what's your prognosis for uh, Chad Ochocinco this season? I think he's he's definitely closer to the Randy Moss end of the spectrum than the bust. Um he he loves football. He's one of the hardest workers. I mean, I know he has a lot of antics and he has fun with his job, but I think being in that Bill Belichick system and being in the Patriots, you know, way of thinking is really just going to help him improve as a player. And he's smart. He's fast. He's got good hands. I think he's definitely going to be closer to Randy Moss type of numbers than than say T.J. Hushmanzada numbers. <laughs> especially TJ's Hushmanzada's numbers this year. So mm-hmm. now Dwayne Bowe obviously had a great season last year. I think he had 16 touchdown catches. Now if he only has half that many touchdown catches this year, and you, I know, don't have as much faith in Matt Castle as nope. I do, but if he only <laughs> has half as many touchdown catches, is he still a wide receiver one in your book this year? I think he is, but what's what do you think? I don't, because I didn't think he was a wide receiver one necessarily, a lock wide receiver one even with the 16 catches, because of the team he plays on and because of who his quarterback is. If he's on almost any other team or with any other quarterback, I'd feel a lot better about him, but I don't believe in the Chiefs or Matt Castle, which I know is 100% opposite of how you feel. But for me, he just I think there are better options. Well, as they say with every quarterback who was in the league last year, he's got a year <laughs> more of experience, and yeah. he's also got – you know, Jamal Charles and Thomas Jones are a pretty lethal backfield combination. Tony Moiaki is going to be a is going to be a good tight end, I think. And you know, they signed mm-hmm. Steve Breston to take a little bit of the pressure off of Bo. So yeah, I, I think Steve going Breston's going to end up having better numbers than Dwayne Bo is or comparable. I just that I think I, I patently disagree with. But uh, well, there you we'll, go. we'll see. <laughs> we have all season to find out who is right about that. So mm-hmm. now. Hopping back to running backs here, uh, Mike Tolbert or Ryan Matthews, if you have to draft a San Diego running back, which one should it be? Um, I'd go Ryan Matthews, I think. I just, just kind of a gut. I think I do, too. I do, too. And there's just, yeah, he, I know Tolbert is filled in admirably and all, but I, I just think that Matthews has a much higher higher uh, ceiling than than Tolbert does. And with all the Mm -hmm. offensive weapons that they have there, the Chargers, I think they can afford to maybe carry somebody for a bit at at running back until until he finds his his wings a little bit. But uh, we'll see. Now, which of these two wide receivers would you draft first, Braylon Edwards or Kenny Britt? Braylon Edwards, absolutely. Um, I've had Kenny Britt the last few years, and I've gotten burned <laughs> by his his legal woes. It looks like he's not going to be suspended, which I I really thought he was going to lose a couple of games because of his his off field antics. But I just I feel better about the the situation Braylon Edwards is in overall than Kenny Britt is off field antics aside. Um, I just. I don't think he's got he's going to have the kind of of numbers he's had in the past the way that Braylon Edwards will. Now, Larry Fitzgerald is he with when you team him up with Kevin Cobb is he still one of the top say five receivers along with Andre Johnson and Calvin Johnson and Roddy White? Absolutely. Uh, 
You think he is? Okay, no I, I agree with you. I I yeah. like Kevin Cobb as a quarterback. I really think that hey, he and Arizona are going to surprise some people because he can. He's very much that that stereotypical stand in the pocket type of quarterback that you know we're so used to at least in the past in the NFL. He's not really a run 'em and gun 'em kind of guy, but he's a good quarterback. He's very accurate. He's smart, and I think having the weapons he's going to have at wide receiver and and if Beanie Wells comes on at running back, I think he's going to have they're going to be a good team and have a good year. What well, what weapons does he have at running at wide receiver besides Fitzgerald? Are you expecting big things out of Andre Roberts or or early I think that, that or what's, what's well, going on there? Well, I just think there? that guys are going to come on more than they have in the past because. Kevin Cobb's a functioning quarterback, and they have some stability at the quarterback position, which is going to allow for wide receiver growth. And I think that it's going to be more than just the Larry Fitzgerald show out there. They had a capable quarterback last year whom they cut and went with Derek Anderson instead, but Mr. Sour Grapes here will let that one go. So Stability now, does a lot for an offense. Yes. Now, why do you think Santana Moss is perennially overlooked as a fantasy contributor? Why is it that this guy that, you know, always turns in a minimum of 700, 800 yards in a quote-unquote bad year and 1,000 yards in a good year, why is he always still there in the the two-thirds of the way through the drafts? Because he plays on a perennially bad team with a uh, routinely uh, a not- quarterback one type of quarterback, I mean, not a top 12 quarterback in accuracy or consistency. The offense and the whole front office situation is a mess. And now this year, he's got 800 other capable receivers around him that are going to take away targets, and his numbers are not going to be that good this year. I'll make a friendly prediction that he actually gets more receiving yards this year than he did last year. I hope you're writing all (laughs) these down. I will take that for sure. <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll have to the Sherpa's crazy predictions. We're gonna have to roll this out at We're the end. We're gonna have to put together and, a list here so people can follow along throughout the season. Right, and and congratulate me for being right. I hope, but uh, we'll see. Now we haven't talked at all about tight ends, and we only have about five minutes left in the show. So why don't I um, touch on a few tight ends issues that uh, mm-hmm. I think are are gonna be on people's minds going into drafts. Jared Cook. Hear a lot about him, his breakout candidate. Are you buying that or not? I'm not. Not at all. Uh, I I don't see any reason to think he's going to break out, and I I don't like anything it, about his situation. So I I would stay as far away from him as possible. So well, speaking of of bad situations, we talked about the Bengals before. People still seem pretty high on Jermaine Gresham, though, after what he did last year. Are are you concerned that, given the Bengals quarterback situation, that he might also be in for fall this year, or, or you're not worried about that? Yeah, I think his numbers will be down. He's still a good player. I like him and Jordan Shipley out there a lot. I, I know I talk about him. Uh, it seems like every show, I think there are some, some bright spots in the offense, but you can't expect them to be – the type of elite numbers that they would have been capable of with an elite quarterback. All right. Speaking of elite quarterbacks and the opposite of elite quarterbacks, how about Cam Newton and 
his anticipated struggles this year? Do you think there's opportunity for Greg Olson to put up a, a season more like what he did with you know his first couple years with the Bears, or is that just a um, a, a silly I think wish? That's, that's kind of a, a dream and a, and a hope. Maybe Greg Olson's putting out into the universe, but um, Cam Newton is going to have a rough year. The Panthers are not going to be good. I don't see very much redeeming qualities about them. The fact that Greg Olson has been kind of hidden away in the Chicago not tight end friendly offense for so long and the fact that Cam Newton's a rookie whose first instinct is to run not to throw is kind of setting him up for fantasy football failure and I wouldn't put him on a team. So you wouldn't put Cam Newton on a team, or you wouldn't put uh, Greg Olson I on a team? Put, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put either of them on a team. <laughs> if I'm in a two tight end league, I, if I start two tight ends or need a flex and in a deeper league, you know, I, I think I would consider Olson I just would. under the theory that he'd be the um, safety valve. And yeah, I think Carolina. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to. Uh, there. Their offense isn't going to be as bad as you think simply because they yes, look like they're going to have both Williams <laughs> and Stewart. If if they run enough to keep people honest, then I think Cam Newton will stay on his feet more than people think. But, you know, I'm not going to give one of those, oh, they're going to surprise yeah, he'll be people. Honest, because he's they're running. not. They're going to be he's awful. Away. But, but, yeah, <laughs> not I don't know. I, I think he's not going to run nearly as much in the pros as he did in college because those he's not going to be able to turn the quarterback in the pros. You know, the guys, the linebackers are just as fast as he is. So, But anyway, I'm talking way too much about a guy that nobody wants to draft in fantasy anyway. So, Jermichael Finley, do you buy that he's a top uh, five tight end or do you think he's too injury prone? I, I, think he, I, I think I would buy him as a top five tight end. How about you? Uh, he's five or six for me. He's right there. If he's a top five, he is number five. But uh, I, I don't think we can say he's injury prone in that he's so young and he really he lost a season to an injury. But that happened. That can happen to anybody. Um, I think the fact that the offense is still so strong in Green Bay and the fact that they are a very tight end friendly offense and with Aaron Rodgers, you have a quarterback who's capable of throwing at any time. I think he he absolutely can be considered a top five or right around their tight end. So speaking of, of top five tight ends, here's a guy that used to be a top five tight end, but I don't think is any longer. Well, not I don't think. I know he's not any longer, and that's Todd Heap. Do you think he's going to have a resurgence in Arizona, or do you think he's yeah. just in a decline like I do that he's not going to be able to pull out of? No, I believe in him. I think he's going to have a resurgence. I think he he ends up being uh, what would be a starting tight end in any league, in as in one of the top 12. I I would draft him probably in the top 12 right now. Like I said, I like Kevin Cobb a lot, and I think their offense is going to be a lot more functional. And I know Todd Heap got rocked last year once or twice, but I think he's still a good tight end. He's still got you know some some fantasy value in him. All right, one last question, and then I know we need to get out of here. But Tony mm-hmm. Gonzalez, same question as I asked with Todd Heap, although I'll answer differently. Is he also in the midst of a, a decline, or is he going to rebound this year? I think he's in the midst of a decline, but that's just me. See, I would disagree. I, I think Tony Gonzalez has a better disagree season than, than uh, Todd <laughs> I'd Heap. I'd rather have we'll Todd see. Heap. 
Um, okay. But like Scott said, we are out of time here. You can find us again next week, Wednesday night, from 9.30 to 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can find us all week long on FantasyFootballSherpa.com, on the Fantasy Football Sherpa fan page on Facebook. You can email us at the number 4thninchesshow at gmail.com, and we're on Twitter under the same handle, the number 4thninchesshow. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great week, and tune in next week for our game analysis.